Welcome to Coffee and Geography, where my guests and I geek out about the world and everything on it, discovering that we are all geographers in some way, shape or form. I'm your host, Kit, and my pronouns are they, them or she, her. So settle down with a brew, hit that subscribe or follow button and enjoy the listen. Hi, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of Coffee and Geography today. I have a co-host. Let me welcome back to the podcast, Dr. Jess Tipton. Hi, Jess. How are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Yes, it's spring is starting to spring, so uh, all good over here. Is it really? I mean, it's still like 3.5 degrees Celsius, according to my weather station. Oh, there's gold faulting too. True, yeah. 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 We will get there. (laughs) Yeah, have you been great in any beetroot of late? I don't know, I don't do that anymore. (laughs) That's all, that's all that was a one-time wonder never reg- i have eaten borscht since though ah now folks we're not going to elaborate on that you're just going to have to listen back to uh the episode where i talked to jess you know last i think last season before last or something like that you know there's a plug for that one now these chats that we're having now always bring me joy and excitement because we get to hear from some amazing young people so uh so jess yeah um who have we got joining us what group of youngsters have we got with us today so we've got three brilliant young people um, who are from the UK School Sustainability Network, which I spoke about in the previous podcast that you mentioned from a while ago. And they are from different regions of the UK. So we have Amitha, who is from Bucks, Buckinghamshire. We have mm-hmm. Amrita, who is from the Midlands. And we have Charlotte, who now resides in Wales. And they are all school pupils and they have an interest in the environment and sustainability. Um, and that's why they're connected to a regional network or the UKSSN. Um, and yeah, I'm hoping we can hear about some of the things they've been been up to and share some of their wisdom. And yeah, it should be a mm. really good conversation. Yeah, absolutely amazing. How are you doing, folks? Thank you for joining us. You can, this is where you can all go, hi. You know, that kind of stuff. I was waiting for a big chorus of woo or something like that, but um, woo. yeah, there yeah. we go, we got it. <laughs> uh, who do I start with first? Okay, so um, let's go, Amruta, you first. You just, in, just introduce yourself, tell us, a, tell us a tiny little bit about yourself. Okay, so I'm Amruta, I'm 14, and I'm from the UK, as I said, Midlands Sustainability Network. And my favorite hobby is to sort of, I, I like to read and I also like, li- like to listen to music as well. So, yeah. Um, do you have a grade seven in classical singing, I believe? Yes. So I do um, Indian classical singing oh, and yes. I have grade seven in that. So I'm trying to get my, you know, my proper diploma certificate now. So that's impressive. Wow. That is, now I, I, I managed to do my grade one in saxophone, right? Um, and I think I can play the saxophone up to about like a, maybe a grade three or four level, but I've never really been assessed it. But grade seven, you're like, isn't isn't it like grade five and up you can actually teach other people? Um, I think because I do Indian classical singing, so it's like with, you know, lots of Indian teachers, I think it's like sort of great. I think like once you get your diploma, you're able to teach people, other people. This is nuts. So, so, I, would, so I would like to do that as well. But I've been doing yeah. it since I was really, really young. It's taken me ages. I've been doing yeah. it since I was four. So it's taken me ages. 
So. A lot of commitment. Yeah, or well, crikey. Whole decade. Whole decade. Nice wow. Right. Um, Amitha, you need to follow that then. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, God. Um, well, hi, I'm Amitha. I'm, I'm in year 12. Um, a fun fact about me is that I cannot play a musical instrument. So I'm really jealous of Amrita's singing capacity and dedication to that. Um. <laughs> I also like reading and just generally spending time with my friends. But you like listening to music, though. I do like listening to music. Yeah, tell, tell us what what kind of um, kind of stuff are you into then? It's honestly whatever pops up on my YouTube. Um, just all sorts of like little bits and bobs, and so it's just whatever <laughs> pops up on there. I suppose as well. <laughs> I like that attitude. I like that attitude. Just, you know, yeah. whatever, whatever the whatever the rhythm takes me. <laughs> so, excellent. And finally, we have Charlotte. So, uh, Charlotte, uh, are you ha- how's your Welsh coming along? My Welsh is shamefully um, very nearly non-existent. <laughs> I will try and learn some Welsh um, in the next few months. That's amazing. And I, I envy anybody who can speak a second language and, and I'm even em- more envious of folks who have English as their second language because like, we don't appreciate how talented these people are. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a really um, good point about language because I think especially in, in climate literature and environmental um, like articles and, and scientific articles as well, it's it's predominantly in English yeah. so it's not very accessible for people unless they speak English or can read English so I think that's a big issue and there's been some movements I think recently to translate these these climate documents and articles and information sites into different languages so that more people can can learn and, and spread the movement further. I've got a fun fact connected mm-hmm. to that do you know what the second language is for scientific publications? papers and journals and things the second after english i'm not gonna say chinese or mandarin or anything like that is it probably not russian not russian because you bring it up yeah i thought because you brought it up it's probably russian probably someone will disprove that now and there's probably some it's probably some myth but anyway hmm yeah, well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that, Charlotte, because I, I've just been involved in a wonderful project uh, called uh, Young People at a Crossroads with the University of Manchester in Melbourne. And we had our closing event uh, last Friday, and we had some young people come along from the Manchester schools there, and they were saying exactly the same sort of thing you were. They just said, you know, why is everything going to you know, in, have to be in English? And um, the, there's been discussions that I've had, particularly for this podcast, where we've been talking about language and how important language is. And like, if you communicate, if you don't communicate in several languages and different languages, you lose nuance, you lose context, and you lose a really important way of communicating with with local people. Like, there's some, you know, some cultures have like five, six, a dozen, two dozen words for tree all in their different life stages and what they provide for, you know, and that climate change is going to impact in every single way that tree works, grows, produces. So, if, yeah, if we don't have that richness in language, we lose a lot of communication, don't we? So um, next time I see you then, Charlotte, I'm going to hear a bit of Welsh from you because you say you like learning languages. So, <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about the UK Schools Sustainability Network. So, uh, yeah, so Jess, give us a little... Give us a little bit of a reminder, a bit of a preamble um, for those folks who do not know anything at all. They're picking this up for the first time and then we'll get what uh, the young people 
uh, say why, tell us why they joined. Yeah, so it started a few years ago, literally just two schools in Hammersmith in West London, um, as a way to bring together students, uh, mostly, but also staff. um, And we were visiting each other's schools um, and uh, discussing these issues. And so that everybody felt kind of united and were meeting people they might not have done otherwise and that grew across London um, and across uh, secondary schools and then became a model for other regional networks and it's great we've got Amruta here because the second network was Berkshire and then the third one was the Midlands um, so we we got those three networks together, and um, since then it's it's spread across across the UK, and all the networks are different. So some um, are run by um, a full time teacher, and their school is the hub. We've now got some councils starting to set them up. So Northumberland Council um, recently launched an, uh, a school sustainability network, Chester Zoo just launched one a couple of weeks ago, uh, which is a very exciting um, venue for a network. Um, And yeah, we're sort of, we've got kind of 10 networks established. Um, They're all completely different from each other. And then we've got another probably 10 in the pipeline. Um, And it's just a forum to bring everybody together. And the UK School Sustainability Network is like an umbrella to bring together all those regional networks. And we took a bunch of students, over 20 students, to COP26 in Glasgow in um, last November 2021. Um, We did a summer trip to Whiteham Woods that Charlotte came on, and we're doing another one this summer. We have regular online meetings, so we literally just met up with the Irish network, our sister network, and shared things that the students have been doing. Um, yeah, and then, as I said, the, the teacher side of it's really important as well. We've got an operations group as well for um, school business leaders to get together. So it's all to share best practice, to collaborate, to influence together. We've been influencing Department of Education on their climate strategy. Yeah, so it's that sort of thing, but um, I can say a little bit as we go through the conversation, mm. perhaps. Yeah, so... let's. And Ruth, let's start with you then. What why did you get why did you get involved? I mean, as a 14-year-old, you've got so much going on, you know, uh, not not to mention your classical singing. So why did you think this was worth your time? What 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 was it that speaks to you about this that you wanted to do this? Um, so I've been in my school's eco group for like a few years, like two years. And um then but the thing is like we were only you know, sort of doing stuff in school. We weren't really sort of branching out into other areas and we weren't really getting our message across. So when my, the eco group leader, my teacher said, oh, Amruta, do you want to, you know, sign up to UKSN? I was like, yeah, sure, because climate justice, it really means a lot to me and climate action means a lot to me as, um, you know, we have, we have one planet, you know? So we might as well, you know, protect it and keep it safe. So I applied and I joined. And I feel like with UKSSN, there's so many different opportunities and different ways that you can get your message across. Whereas with other platforms, you can't really do that. So that's why I really like it. Yeah. And you use the word voice there, which I think is so, so important. And uh, and Amitha, you've, you've said here that it's actually something that is so so important to you sustainability 
and that you just you want to even go further and not just have a voice you want to make a career out of this i mean is is so you're hoping that the uk ssn is going to be a, a really good springboard for that yeah absolutely um i've had a kind of look around and in terms thinking a bit more practically in terms of like work experience and stuff sometimes uh, depending on which area you want to go into sometimes it can be hard to find like environmental opportunities as much um there are they do exist and well you do need to know where to look for them and stuff um and a lot of them are about mostly kind of conservation of wildlife and things which I think it's pretty admirable and really cool but um thinking more sustainability focus it's a little bit harder to like find things but the UK SSN seems to have quite a lot and I'm really looking forward to trying them out i guess yeah in my opinion i think it's part of my day job promoting you know higher education but also you know going into the workplace and things like that it's i think every, every job can be a job for sustainability you know the way that you approach this you know it's not just as you just said about working for the rspb being a conservationist so of course that's obviously a green job but what about the town planner you know there's a huge aspect for sustainability in there. Um, so I think it's, yeah, it's admirable that, that you want to go into that. I mean, can you think of something, uh, Amitha, that you're, you're what, what are you doing at the moment? You're doing some A-levels, I take it. I think you're doing geography, chemistry and physics. Is that, is that right? Yeah. So um, obviously geography is an obvious one, but can you think of anything that you're really passionate about that you've been learning where you're like, actually, I, I could like to take that by the scruff of the neck and I want to do something to do with sustainability about that? Uh, it's kind of interesting because like I was talking about this with my friends the other day but especially kind of the chemistry and physics thinking about sort of sustainable energy as well and um, mm -hmm. one of my friends she wants to be a nuclear physicist and that like it's not what you'd think of at first but that does absolutely relate to sorry <laughs> that does absolutely relate to sustainability um, when you think about kind of nuclear energy and how much more efficient it can be than other, like using coal and oil, for instance. Um, and yeah, I agree with what you said about like any job can and probably should have like aspects of sustainability into them. Um, I just want to mm. try and make it as much of a career as I can for myself. Yeah. Yeah. And what 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 better career aspiration than to have a job for the future in the future about the future you know uh, that i've made that from the top of my head and i don't know <laughs> if it really worked the way it was in my head but hey i just went with it uh, um that's pretty cool and yeah and you talk about new i think you could probably go on the t-shirt <laughs> you can put it on a t-shirt um but put it on my fox fox onesie that I'm wearing, everybody. Um, we had USSN t-shirts for COP26, but oh. we could have that on our next one. Produced super sustainably. It have to be a print onto an old Produced t-shirt. Produced super yeah. This is a teacher yeah. for the t-shirt for the future. For, for, oh, yeah, no. So it's a tongue twister. T-shirt forever. <laughs> your only t-shirt ever. Oh, it's cool. You, you mentioned about nuclear energy, and, uh, yeah, we could go into a debate about that um, all uh, all day long. But um, statistically, it is the safest form of producing electricity, even safer than wind and solar, believe it or not. Um, and of, if anybody wants to know what my opinion is of it, is that I think it is a necessary interim 
solution while we transition to renewable energy. It's not an end game. I think it's really interesting to look at how it could be used as a transition energy, because from my understanding, it takes a few decades to build a nuclear power plant and then even longer to, to decommission one. So it is, it is, although it has potential as a transition source of energy, it, it's not a short term thing. Um, to get to build nuclear and also to at the end of their life to decommission them because obviously the radioactive waste left behind um, has has half life of like thousands to hundreds of thousands of years. Make an absolute valid point, and you know we've right here in the east of England we've got on the, on the east coast we've got Sizewell Sea going up at the moment, and that's been in process production for years already, and. You're absolutely spot on. Can we really call it an interim short-term solution when actually they are around for the long term? So, uh, and in terms of their waste, the very long term. So that's a very good point, mate, Charlotte. Jess? I was just going to add it's so expensive as well is the other Mm. thing with building new ones. But um, I think Project Drawdown, the big climate solutions research project, calls it a with regret solution. Oh, I never heard it, but I know I know Project Drawdown, but I've never heard them say that. Yeah, they've got it in the mix, but I think they they say sort of not building new ones. I think, but you know, probably keeping going with what we've got and making it making them more efficient. Yeah, are any of you folks um, with Octopus Energy at home? Do you know? Yes. So okay, so what octopus? Uh, Jess, you tell us what 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 alerts we get through come for every now and then. Did you get one? Of, we've had two in the last few days. Do you do you know what I'm on about? Um, the uh, switch off. Not sure if I'm. Oh well, they did that trial that we took part in during COVID when people weren't using enough energy, and we had to go and charge everything and put all you know washing machine on, put everything on, so because they were going to have to turn off the wind turbines. Because they weren't being, and and then it's really really hard to start them up again. That, yeah. that was a sort of experiment. But yeah, no, I don't. I'm not sure I get the alerts you're talking about. Oh well, uh, this this was this will help then. So um, what oct and um, I am going to promote Octopus Energy because they are a sustainable company, and there is a referral code, folks, in the in the show notes if you want to support this show. Um, and they do this thing where they give you a window, a period of time to switch off and they quite clearly state in the email they say you know don't make yourself uncomfortable don't make yourself unsafe but but for between this time and this time you know you will earn what's called octopoints to for every unit of energy you save um but what they do is they time it to avoid the national grid switching on coal fire power stations so for example the last couple of days that they did they said i think two days ago they said switch off between four and five o'clock in the afternoon because otherwise demand could be so high that they might have to fire up a coal-fired power station. Um, And apparently enough Octopus Energy customers did switch off and avoided a coal-fired power station being fired up to meet the electricity demand. So that is so cool. I mean, that for me is an example of corporate responsibility. You know, they they could say, nah, you know, use as much electricity you want. You know, you're going to give us the money anyway. But no, they're like saying, no, switch off. Like, I know the money comes to us, but no, this isn't, we're not about that. Um, so, uh, Charlotte, that brings me on to you because about you joining UKSS, 
And I mean, you made the great point about nuclear energy there, and you've mentioned renewable energy is a passionate of yours and also sustainable food systems. So is that, is that your kind of bag? Is that the kind of thing you've been really interested in terms of sustainability or what else is there that you're interested in? Everything, everything. I can't narrow down. Those are just the first things that came into my head that I've been working on recently. But um, every aspect of sustainability interests me, really. And I'm just so curious to, to learn more and about all sorts of different topics that I've never, never encountered before. Now, don't worry if you think this is going to be an indictment in the current education system, because as far as I'm concerned, it should be. So what are these things that you're coming across that you've not yet learned, you didn't learn before in your lessons in school or whatever? Um, that's a really good question. I think when we're in school, we, we, learn, we learn the basics, but really um, it, it comes from your own research that you dive deeper. So, for example, we learn about uh, keeping on the topic of energy and renewable energy, we learned about um, like solar panels, wind farms, but we didn't learn about the new emerging technologies like hydrogen fusion, which is very debatable whether it's actually, um, you know, has any p- place in a sustainable future. But um, And also we always learn, oh, well, the downsides to wind and solar is they're so expensive to install, you know, fossil fuels are cheap. But but really, actually, recently, the if you keep up with the news, I think a lot of the textbooks are outdated because wind and solar are cheaper than fossil fuels now, which which really... Imp- I know, it's so out of date. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's amazing how some of the textbooks still say, well, some t- scientists think that climate change is caused by humans and others <laughs> disagree and think it's caused by orbital changes. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to mute myself just for a moment, everybody. Okay, I finished screaming into the microphone. Well, that was interesting visuals we had there. Yeah, I know these folks can see me, but like you just didn't hear me scream into the ether. Yeah, uh, the, Charlotte, you raise a fantastic. I mean, Amrutha and Amitha, do, do you have you come across that that you're like you learn something in school, particularly with environmental sustainability, and then like you do your UK SSN stuff, and you're like, are they teaching us stuff from the Victorian ages or something? Have you ever come across anything like that? I mean, because um, I don't really do subjects that are sort of centered around um, climate. It's not really like for me now. But in year nine last year, we did energy. And um, some of the stuff that we learned, um, I don't even remember now, but some of the stuff that we learned in the lessons, um, that was when I had joined UKSSN as well, like end of year nine, start of year 10. And I was just sort of, you know, there's so much stuff that I don't know. And there's supposed to be this whole topic on climate and energy. And there's so many things that, you know, school doesn't really teach you. Maybe they're like sugarcoating it, but I really don't think that should be the case. Because I feel like everyone needs to hear about this, like as young as possible. So... So we had Professor Julia Steinberger on um, in yeah in September. So we have um, various guests, like we've had George Monbiot, Kate Rayworth, um, and yeah, that was that talk. And yeah, you're right, it's Exxon Mobil, isn't it? I think. Yeah, shocking. You folks have managed to speak to some amazing people. Like you know, Kate Rayworth's one of my favourite 
um, you know, economics people ever with the circular economy stuff. And we were lucky enough to actually meet her at the Geographic Association conference a few years ago, pre-COVID days. Um, I called George Monbio Uncle George. Um, that's my nickname for him. Uh, and yeah, and Julia Steinberger, yeah, the, the author, folks, you do need to look at what to, to do. And she mostly looks at um, ecological economics and ecology and, and stuff like that. And she's just a fascinating human being. And so, uh, and this is the other benefit that you folks get with UK SSN is you get to hear from these inspiring people. But I would argue they get to hear from you too. Hi folks, a chance for you to recharge your brew, but also a polite prod to remind you that it's so easy to support this podcast. Simply liking, sharing, rating, and reviewing means that it will get on more people's radar. Also, there are a few links down in the description which may be of mutual benefit. Please do check them out. So I'm going to ask you a question then, and um, I want you to imagine that Jess and the folks at Global Action Plan, who are the uh, the charity who are kind of supporting UKSSN. Hi, folks. Love you. Um, there you go. Gappers. Gappers. If, here's the question for you. Let's imagine that they can get hold of anyone you want and to bring along to UKSSN meeting, right? Um, now, it doesn't have to be someone who's like a climate champion. It could be someone you want to... I'm going to do the pun, hold their feet over hot coals. I did, Yeah, I did it. Uh, right. So question, and whoever comes in first can tackle this first. If you could interview anyone about climate change and ask them one question, who would you ask and what would you ask them? And we'll invite them on. Well, depending on who you say, unless it's a safeguarding issue. <laughs> I think some of them might be. <laughs> Um, I feel like my choice is a bit generic, but it's important. Um, I would interview the Secretary of State for Environment or or just like the Environment Secretary. And I think the Environment Secretary now is um, Therese Coffey. I don't even know how, if that's how you say that. But um, I feel like it would be really, really important to interview her because obviously, you know, she's the person in charge of all of the climate um, actions going on now and um, I just I just want to ask like a simple question you're know, like what's the plan you know what's the plan for the next five years going going ahead because you know we're in a serious serious crisis right now and I feel like I feel like um, they're not really doing enough about that they're not really making that big of a stink about it so yeah that's sort of what I would say I'd, I'd ask what's the plan for the next five years you know like, how do you plan to raise awareness and get people to care about this? We can see if she'll come on. I used to work for that department, actually. I worked for the Department for Environment for about 10 years, not with her as the boss, but with different people, other politicians like uh, Hilary Benn and um, Caroline Spellman. But, yeah. Nice. You heard it here, folks. You heard it here, folks. We are going to... We're going to extend that olive branch and hopefully they won't just come on and give and us a political answer. Maybe the shadow, yes. shadow Environment Secretary of State as well. Yep. Um, it's a really good question. I think, although it might be very demotivating, um, I'd really like to um, have a meeting, if I could, with the CEOs of the biggest 
um, fossil fuel companies and just just have an honest conversation if that's possible about how do you think these industries that ultimately are the single biggest cause of climate change how do you think they they are going to have a place in the future and ultimately try and try and communicate the message that no they can't have a place in the future and or if they if these companies will continue to are to continue to exist they need to completely change um die uh, like diverge from fossil fuels and completely commit towards new renewable forms of energy because this is the root cause of the problem and as long as we keep on extracting and burning fossil fuels and, re- and relying them on them for our primary source of energy then the climate change will continue and get worse and all the effects associated with that will continue to get worse so yeah that's who I'd I'd meet and what I'd ask wow I, that is so powerful what you just said about look you don't have a place in the future you can't it is impossible and to have them hear, hear hear you say that i think yeah well i mean these are very privileged people who probably need a bit of a reality check to be fair and i, I can't think of a better way of putting it it's like fossil fuels you know there is going to be an end to fossil fuels because they're not they're they're non-renewable it's as simple as that they're finite so what regardless of whether that ceo is still around to see that or not is irrelevant the industry is is fading out that is incredible. And I think a lot of people listening to you, Charlotte, would have um, would totally agree with you there. Um, okay, Amitha, so who would you ask and what would you ask them? I'm kind of torn between like two people, but one of them's sort of general, if that makes sense. Um, I'd really be interested in like talking to someone who doesn't actually believe that climate change is happening, mostly because I'd want to know why considering everything that's kind of going on in the world and sort of what could be done to help them maybe change their view. And the other person would be um, President Lula, the new uh, president of Brazil, um, because I know that the uh, former one, um, Jair Bolsonaro, he was very uh, quite anti-environmental um, and like anti-climate change, he, he had like a lot of policies about that. Whereas Lula, um, there was um, there were quite a few kind of news articles about him, especially regarding um, COP twenty seven. And I'd be really interested into into like knowing how he was gonna like kind of change his country's policies around, and especially considering. Um, how on like cutting back the deforestation of like dams and rainforests and stuff first fantastic and the yeah this is such an interesting situation in brazil at the moment with uh with the very difficult transition of power at the moment and um there is a lot of a lot of political damage that needs to be undone there uh for sure um so that is a fantastic call uh, we could try and get uh president Lula on or, or at least the representative. <laughs> if you don't ask, <laughs> um, that's fantastic. All three of you, thank you so so much. So um, let's. I want people to know that you know that we haven't got because it's ridiculous that anyone will think this anyway. Oh, you've just got three 
you know, activist, radical teenagers on or whatever, blah, 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 blah. No, these are human beings with a heart of gold who are trying to live their lives, right? And they want a future, folks. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to do a very different kind of spill the beans, which is uh, where you disclose something about you personally. Uh, some, when we're with the adults, it's usually something embarrassing, right? But for this, it's not embarrassing for any of you folks. It's really cool, right? So it's a challenge for Jess. Jess. Okay. So each of these folks are going to are going to reveal to you uh what uh which one of these is true about them, right? So here's three facts and you need to guess who is who, right? So the first one is this person is a black belt in taekwondo but says that she's still pretty clumsy, right? So you need to figure out who that is. Uh another one says that she plays the piano, absolutely loves it, so can play the piano, absolutely loves it. And another one is um, when she was little, she her favorite book was Enchanted Wood by Enid Blyton. So there you go. They're the three facts. Okay. So so a favorite book when I was little was Enchanted Wood by Enid Blyton, uh, Black Belt in Taekwondo, uh, and loves playing the piano. What do you think, Jess? Yeah, I'm gonna share my I'm gonna share my reasoning. Okay, bear in mind, I'm none of their teachers you know I don't don't know them well um but based on what we've been talking about and the little bit I do know I I I think probably I'm I'm gonna go with Amruta for the piano based on what she was saying before about the singing but that's maybe too logical I've maybe gone that's maybe too obvious I might be wrong there um Poker face, yeah. poker face, um, everybody. The Enchanted Wood. Okay, this is purely based on the fact that Charlotte um, came on the trip to Whiteham Woods with UK Ascent and seemed to like the woods. So maybe that was sort of uh, a link back to her childhood reading with the Enid Blyton. So, and then that Ooh. leaves me with Amitha and the Black Belt in Taekwondo. Which I I, I I could oh. I could I could see I could you know don't wanna don't wanna mess with you Amitha maybe <laughs> <laughs> my camera's off so I can't see her reaction. Yes, I love it. When I said poker face, everyone's like, you know, I, I don't do poker face. I'm just going to turn my camera off. That was a very smart move. <laughs> uh, um, right. Okay. So I can tell you, you have one out of three right. So, and because there's only three, like as soon as I reveal who it is, obviously the other two are the other way around. So, can the person who is the black belt in Taekwondo please reveal themselves? Drum roll. Who's it gonna be? Oh, I'm on ten. Oh, loading video. Hey, completely wrong. No, sorry. Oh, oh, you're all right with Mitha. Mitha is a black belt in Taekwondo. Right. Brilliant. Okay. Therefore. Wow. But hang on, right, Amitha, how are you, it says you're still pretty clumsy, so you've got all this poise, control and balance, but you're still likely to fall over a coffee table. Oh, just run into a wall. <laughs> it, it, it's different, because when I do... So you need the focus, it's when you're in the, in the zone, yeah. the Taekwondo zone. Yeah, it, it, no, it's literally that, because kind of when I go into class, I don't have time to like be stressed or worried about anything. I just need to kind of get like my syllabus and things done. I mean, obviously, I still have fun and like laugh with my friends and things, but like 
to, uh, to be fair, I have fallen over so many times in Taekwondo. Um, yeah, it's kind of become a thing in my class now, actually. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, the next time you, t- you know, perhaps the next cop that you do or the next trip that you do, you've, you've got your bodyguard now. Yeah. yeah. So, um, for Abu Dhabi. Ooh, sweet. Right. Okay. So uh, I'm going to now ask that the person who was, was enchanted wood is their favorite thing. Could they please reveal themselves? Way it's Amrita. Um, it's you, Amrita. You'll have to come on our residential then to to Wales Centre for Alternative Technology because there's, there's that's quite a wooded area, I think. So, what is it you like about Enchanted Wood? I don't know. I mean, like, it's very you know magical. It's very you know out of reality. So, I mean, it was my favorite book when I was little just because you could immerse yourself in this world with, you know, so much, like, magic in the air. So, yeah. yeah. And then you go back to real life and it's just boring. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, I think you, you would get on so well with my, with my other half of my wife. She's a bookworm too. <laughs> <laughs> Escapism through books. Yeah. And Charlotte, that means it leaves us with you and the piano. So uh, do you have any grades or anything like that? Or do you just, just do it for a bit of fun? Yeah, yeah, but mainly for fun. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I think some people when they learn an instrument, it's it's a chore, and for other that their parents make them do or something, and for some it's a joy. And I've been through both. So if, when I was starting, I was like, oh, why do I have to do this? I want to quit. Like when you're just learning the basic chords and you keep on making mistakes, it's a pain. But then after a certain point, it, it turns into a joy and and a daily joy if you if you practice every day so um I'm just so grateful that um I I've persevered and and now I can play with other people as well which is the I think the only thing joy greater than playing music is playing music with other people I agree Charlotte that's so good to hear because I've only just come back to playing the piano I, I used to play music like sort of semi-professionally and that and I slightly went off it and then just very recently I've started playing the piano again I do play clarinet but the piano it's you can play on your own like you said you can play it with other people um which is a real pleasure like you said um and it's a really good way of like zoning out especially when you're working on this quite heavy stuff with climate and you're studying and everything it's yeah definitely I do, yeah do keep that going you won't regret it yeah yeah and of course the arts is such a powerful way of communicating um you know issues like climate change and scientific the some of the some of the best things i've seen have been like musical or artist interpretation of things like that you know there's there's this musical piece about the the hooky stick graph you know or the climate the warming stripes someone has put the warming stripes to music Mm. which is you know which is incredible and it it brings it brings it brings things to life, and you know we're all climate anxious, and and being able to express ourselves creatively is one way to manage our anxiety. You know. Yeah, so that's something that came up, I think, when UKSSN was reviewing the um, the Department for Education's Sustainability and Climate Change Strategy. Is yeah. that um, there was a massive focus on sciences, and personally, I do love sciences, and I think sciences are so important in 
in um, learning about climate change. But I think for a lot of people, um, they connect more emotionally and and creatively with with the climate change and the environment through the art subjects, through the humanities. And there's there's a complete lack, a void of anything related to climate change and the environment in in those subjects. So. Um, we really wanted to one one of the main points of our feedback was was to try and incorporate um, a theme, a thread of climate change and sustainability throughout all subjects and throughout the whole curriculum, um, in order to sort of engage as many people as possible with with who had all sorts of different skill sets and interests, um, rather than just just a small number of of science geeks. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more, Charlotte. I couldn't agree with you more. As someone who loves uh, creative arts, you know, and I, I bring in a lot of drama to my work, um, and I, I can't agree with you more. Uh, and and Jess, you've got you recommend. So is it Sarah Nichols? You said. Yeah, she's um, she's a pianist who you know professional pianist, and she does loads of work on climate, um, and it's really really interesting. She's she. I mean, there's lots and lots of other things, but I just thought specifically yeah. with the piano. Yeah, amazing. Folks, I could speak to all, all of you all night. You've, you've you've been such wonderful guests. It always lifts my spirit to speak to young people. It, it makes me miss being a high school teacher, you know. Um, so, but we do have to bring this to an end. Um, and the last thing that we do um, on this podcast, as Jess knows, Jess has done this before, but Jess can sit this one out. So you're, you're lucky, Jess, because this is all going to be about the young people. So we are all geographers, and this is a way that we connect all our guests together by a single word. So uh, last week, I spoke to a wonderful friend of mine, the volcanologist, uh, Professor Jenny Barclay. Who, she's a volcanologist at uh, the University of East Anglia, where, where I work. She used to teach me. I used to be one of her students, uh, and now we're colleagues. Um, and so she wanted to give the word that she has come up with to for you folks to link to, geography, UK, SSN, or anything like that, um, is the word sublime. The word sublime. So now usually we give the guests 30 seconds to link the word, right? But because there's three of you, I'm going to give you each 20 seconds. So that's a minute in total. Okay, folks. So the word sublime. Don't worry. It's just a bit of fun. It's like, oh, how is UKSSN sublime? How is climate sublime? How is what, how is what I'm learning? So don't worry. Just even just talk about the word sublime, whatever. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, so. I'm going to get my timer up and when I start, are you off you go? So Aruta, are you ready? You're probably not, but <laughs> right. Aruta, your 20 seconds start now. Oh, so um, once we, you know, rid the world of climate change, if that's going to be possible, then the world and the nature will eventually go back to being sublime again and beautiful again charlotte i think it's absolutely sublime how we can connect across a country and hopefully in the future across across the world through through zoom and these virtual platforms to work together on these big projects and get our voice heard and make an impact i think that's sublime if humanity could coexist with the earth without destroying it that would be a sublime future that's how it's done that's how it's done that was yeah? sublime. they 
it was sublime yes that was sublime <laughs> so we get we get these professionals and adults come on they're like oh my god and then these young people just boom ah, it's just perfect and never right met. They've never okay met in person no and they just rolled it rolled with it right that was absolutely brilliant um and what i'm gonna ask you folks now to do is to think of a word for our following guest. So um, what do you think we should give to our next guest next week? A single word. Hope. Hope is a good one. Yeah. Oh, well, we could, we could try and be mean. Think of a hard one. We're going to go with hope. I think we've had, we've actually had hope before way, way back when this podcast first started two years ago. No, but it's great because we can see how that's, how that evolves. Oh, it's evolved. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. We, we, this is the second time we've had the same word twice. And I think it's great. It's always good. All right. Um, I'm going to say thank you so, so much for you three for joining us. Um, oh, it's, it's such a, it's such a lovely thing to do this evening. Oh, it's got late for you folks. Jess, um, before we go, just give one last shout out to you at uh, UK SSN. And uh, if teachers are listening to this, students listen to this, and they want to get involved, how can they do so? Yes, thank you so much for having us on. And brilliant job, um, students. That was just sublime. You were great. <laughs> um, so to find out about UK SSN, we are on Twitter and we are on Instagram. And that is at UK Schools Susty. We are also on LinkedIn, UK School Sustainability Network. You can find our web page, web pages. Um, you can just put UKSSN in Ecosia or whatever. Um, we are UKSSN.org.uk. And um, yeah, so students are welcome to join um, generally via their teacher. So if teachers go to the uh, membership, the joining page on our website, they, there's various links for how to join. So teaching staff can join um, the teaching networks, operations staff, there's a group for them to join. And then um, there are also regional networks to join and teachers can get their students involved regionally and or at UKSSN level. So it's all on our website set out. So yeah, please do join, more the merrier. And if you're interested in setting up a new regional network, get in touch. We are also um, always fundraising and seeking support. So if there's any corporate sponsors out there who are super ethical or uh, philanthropists, uh, then drop us a line. Yes, please. Absolutely. Please do support these young people, folks. It's so, so important. And, you know, there's there's nothing more... Um, you know, there's there's nothing more of a stronger statement than supporting our young people, not through tokenism or what you think is best for them, but by listening to them, like listening to them in this podcast, and then supporting them and putting them up front and center. And I hope with by listening to these three young people, you feel just as inspired as as the f people like myself and Jess who work with young people every single day. So. Amruta, Amita, Charlotte, thank you so, so much for giving up your evening. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to meet you and chat to you. And I wish you the very, very best of luck on, on your future. Thank you so much, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you had fun. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe so more stories and experiences can drop into your favourite podcast app. 
If you fancy being a guest or have any feedback, follow us on Twitter at CoffeeJogPod and send us a DM. Or you could email coffeeandjog at geogramblings.com. Until next time, keep jogging.